already. Oh, we're all here. It's been done. Yay. Oh, good. That's nice. So can you guys please go around and introduce yourselves and tell me a fun fact about you? Fun fact. Ooh, a fun fact. Um, um mine okay, I got mine. Um Okay, go name, for it. My name is Evan and I enjoy looking at candy in bulk on Amazon. What? Candy in bulk? Yeah, you ever look at like two pounds of marshmallows on Amazon or like <laughs> stuff like that? Weird. It's so cool. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. okay. Um, I, I genuinely don't know. My name is Hunter and I am no fun. The cat named Six and she's uh, the love of my life. Um, okay, my name is Brooke, and instead of a crazy cat lady, I aspire to be a crazy dog lady. <laughs> okay, so we have a question that was asked at our freshman orientation that we ask everybody. If you can be any utensil in the kitchen, what would you be and why? <laughs> any utensil in the kitchen? Uh... Big I would be chopper knife. I I pick I pick I pick the big scary knife so everybody knows who they're dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, murder! I'm talking murder. So <laughs> no. Um, I pick I pick the a kettle because I like fire. Um. I would pick a coffee maker because I think that's the only thing I know how to use. What music are you guys currently listening to? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Caroline Polachek. Her, Ooh. I don't know when she released her album, but it, it feels like apocalyptic pop, which is kind of like perfect for the moment. Yeah. Vibe. Vibe only. Yeah. On that same note, I've been making a quarantine playlist, <laughs> and I'm kind of thinking, like, scary zombie apocalypse quarantine, so music that sounds like it's the end of the world, so <laughs> I've been putting, like, um, actually, like, old Cold War kids, uh, mm. like, the first two records. I love how it kind of sounds like everything's constantly falling apart, um, mm. and it's and it's kind of like not afraid to be like gritty and ugly and dirty. Um, mm. I just think that's really cool. Wow. Wait, I have one more to submit. Uh, Haley Williams' uh, oh, pedal box armor yeah. project. Mm -hmm. Oh, but she yeah. also. She just released a song with Boy Genius on it, so really? it was also the ladies from Boy Genius. Yeah, she released it yesterday, and then Caroline Polachek also did a remix of her first single, which is incredible. So it's just like all of that, all of that. Damn. Wow. Yeah. That's mad crazy yeah, vibe. Yeah, Evan. <laughs> um, what I don't know what I've been listening to. I think I've been listening 
Well, I've been trying to, um, I don't know how to say it. I think as of lately, I've been trying to find bands that I really, really like. Um, I've been trying to find music that they don't, that they never really release. So I've been trying to find a lot of B-sides with mm-hmm. bands that I enjoy. So, like, I found a whole Wilco album the other day that's just, like, these, like, noise generator machine songs where there's just, like, 20 minutes of, like, I don't know, abstract percussion and stuff like that. And then I've also been listening to a lot of, like, um, like not, like, math rock, but I've been, I've been listening to a lot of, like, uh, hardcore. I guess it's, it's, like, what's a little bit under math? It's, like... It's like mm-hmm. elementary school math rock, where it's just a little bit, it's more tricky phrasing, not tricky playing, which is, I find really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been listening to a lot of that. And then um, I've also been listening to, oh, my one of our favorite local bands just released a record two days ago that I'm a huge fan of, and it's called Pop by the Sweat. Um, yeah! And it's really freaking good. It's like in, amazingly, extremely good. So I've been in, in love with that. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Nice. You mentioned unreleased music, so we're going to jump into our question that tends to make people think. What is your opinion of releasing an artist's unreleased music after they've passed away? Should it be released or should it not? That's a great question. Oh. Um, can I go? Or, I'm sorry, I, Hunter wanted to go. I apologize. Go for it, Hunter. Well, I was just having this conversation yesterday because I saw that they released two of Mac Miller's songs, and... It made me wonder, like, if you're that big of an artist, like, can you write that into your will? You know what I mean? Like, if, <laughs> if I were an artist, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if I no, were that's an a good artist question. and I, I would, like, I would imagine that if I had finished music and I died, like, I would still want it to be released. But I know that everybody feels differently about that kind of thing because... I don't know, I just feel like I would want that written into a will, especially, like, who the money goes to after the fact, because that, like, I feel like some some people have been taken advantage of and that, like, their music gets released after they've passed, but then, you know, the record label they were working with takes everything instead of their family. Um, yeah, because yeah. I think the label owns the rights to that music a lot of the time, so the mm-hmm. artist doesn't even really own it legally so right i mean that's nasty you know so this is so i mean we're talking about legality versus morals here morally i think you should really only release stuff that the artist had spoken with somebody about um whether it's whether it's as simple as you know on their deathbed they talk to their partner or their best friend and say hey you can go ahead and release my unreleased stuff or whether they actually wrote it down in a will yeah legally is passed down to somebody um overall though i just think it should be free like oh yeah idea if somebody's profiting off of that person's work that like that doesn't super sit well unless it's like their family or their kids or like something like that yeah then yeah. that's that's their sort of inheritance to pass down to their kids that makes yeah. sense to me but I think, if, I think if, it's, if it's a label profiting off of someone who's dead then i don't think that's yeah. right yeah I, I think it's also kind of like therapeutic I, I mean in advocating for it i guess i would say that i think it's uh like partly therapeutic for the families but 
to have someone who died and they haven't really seen it. Like, I know Richard Swift is like one of my favorite artists, and he died like two years ago, and he released an album in the summer. And I, <laughs> and I just thought, I remember seeing that happen, I was like, oh. But, so, yeah, he, he died um, like two years ago, and then released an album in the summer, and I think his wife actually finished it for him, and she said that was a pretty, like, I think for everyone it was a pretty, like, thing she did stop, but to see, to see his, what he was working on before he passed, like, come to life, um, and, like, I don't know, like, it's like a thing that just closed the door for them, I think that's kind of cool. Um, and then other situations, like, David Bowie didn't die before his last album, but he did die right after mm-hmm. it, so I think that was a sort of a, like a term, like a way closure for his fans or for his family, um, which is interesting. But in those terms, yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. a good thing, but if, it, if someone else is profiting off it and that's the sole reason why it was put out, I don't think that's necessarily right. Yeah. It's your next question, which is, if you could change one thing about the music industry as it is today, what would it be and why? Oh, man. Um, I would change the way that journey services pay artists because I, it, it has seriously like hindered smaller artists' ability to, you know, fund tours or like you know, like, you don't, we don't sell music the way that we used to, which is fine. Like the evolution of the way people listen to music is excellent, and I think people have a lot more access to it. But I just think that I wish that we could sell albums and singles the way that they used to. Like, I think artists deserve more, um, more of that, to see more of the money than you know, Spotify or Apple Music or any number of those companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with Hunter. I think that, um, I think it just takes, I mean, it takes money like straight out of, straight of our pockets and, and music in, in general is just a really expensive thing to do. Um, they're very there's a lot of inexpensive ways to go buy it but like I don't know putting out like we I think we've done a very good job of like not spending that much money when it comes to recording and still getting um, a good result which is cool mm-hmm. but like when you look like we'll never make the money back on the album that we made we'll never make the money back I mean we, we'll make it from merch but we won't see it from that album like all the album sales right. that we've made are probably like, I don't know, maybe a quarter of what we actually spent on the album, so right. um, it's a bit tricky, and there are different ways of making money, I think, but yeah, I would agree with Hunter, I think if that wasn't necessarily the, the jig, or the gig, uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot better. Because on one hand, like, people have more access to more music and get to, like, know new, new artists more easily, which is awesome, but on the other hand, I think there are a lot of artists that never come to fruition because they can't get that financial support. And so it's that balance between like a lot of people just have to drop it and stop doing it. So we're losing a lot of voices that like physically either have to already be rich to do this essentially, or you have to get famous and make, start making money like immediately, which just doesn't, really happen very often. No, it's, yeah, like, it's definitely a grind until it pays off. Like, and I think that's a lot of the entertainment industry in general. Like, yeah. You know, even for actors and actresses, like, you, you do gigs until you get noticed and then you go. 
but like yeah. um yeah it is, it is a tricky the tricky that's a good question that's a very tricky question i would say because i don't really like the, like I, I feel like it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. Or not double-edged sword, but it's a bittersweet. Cause, Catch-22? Yeah, because anyone, yeah, anyone can go listen to us right now for free, and that makes it a lot easier for people to listen to us. But, like, it's, like, more quantity than it is quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to go on record saying that our listeners are quantity. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. No, no, no. Um, but um, I guess what I mean is just, like, what we see from it isn't... We see, we see the views, which is good, but we don't get to see any money from that. Mm. Right. So, across the board, I think musicians need to be viewed as legitimate workers and legitimate yeah. entrepreneurs, essentially. And the music that we create, it's this funny paradox because music is so desired, it's so sought after, it's so necessary for... everywhere for, yeah, everybody's well-being and, you know, art in general is. Um, Yet, the people who make the music that everybody thrives off of, um, artists are viewed as, you know, slackers or just illegitimate. And so the product we create, it's it's so valued, yet nobody wants to pay for it. And I think a lot of that it's fault... Like porn. Yeah, lo- yeah, exactly. A lot of that fault just comes from the systematic way that we go about it. So systematic issues like labels, like streaming services, and things like that. So if there, if there was a way to have labels and such that weren't so greedy and and I think if there were um, if there were um, more regulations I think for how contracts can be written then labels and streaming services could proceed more closely to how other um, other industries work because if you think about um, if you think about like retail stores or food industry right there are so many systematic stipulations that have to go into how everything is run and and those employees and those people up top they have to follow a set of rules to make their whole um their whole operation run legitimately so i think the music industry there's so much gray area and so much leeway because it's an artistic field so i think um i think if there was some sort of across the board regulation for how things were to be run then people at the top of the food chain couldn't use that gray area to take advantage of the artists themselves I, I definitely agree yeah, with that. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't really heard that before and I think that's something that people should be talking about more because there's so yeah. many different things, like so many different components and so many things happening that maybe if there was like a set of rules people had to follow or not like maybe a process even where things could like be categorized and kind of flow in a better manner. Yeah. 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 And I, I think it's also like I think there's something to be said about like 
um, a bit of the like facade that like um, that you need to be. Like, I, I I believe in the being shown to thousands of people all the time, but like it's sort of, it's sort of like when you like um, promote an Instagram post or something, and you have like all these people seeing your post, but like they don't really know what that post is, or they don't know that much about who you are. And yeah. so, um, what was, was it, it really worth? Huh? It wasn't worth. Was it really worth? Yeah, it's not really worth like being exposed to that many people. Doesn't really do anything in return. But when you have, we have a lot of fans that are extremely. We don't have. I mean, we have. We have a, a good amount of people that follow us, and like the people that do are really great people. Like our fans are extremely, um, like invested in us, and that's, <laughs> that's I think something that makes the band fun for all three of us is that we know that. We know when we put something out that like someone's gonna enjoy it, which is a really nice feeling. Um, yeah. So it's it's great to have a lot of people that will buy shirts and buy and buy um, CDs from us, and we can mail them out. And it's, it's that's where we make most of our revenue. Where it's like putting us out on Spotify that we can even show to millions of people, but we don't get millions of streams because we're not that big. You know, like we don't well, do that payback. And I I think that issue too. Then like it it also encourages us to be more of a merch shop than to make music. Yeah. I mean, like, that kind of incentive is, like, well, we got to think more about our aesthetics, but then, like, if you stop thinking about the like, it's supposed to be about the music, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird that this other thing gets incentivized instead, you know? Yeah. I know it's funny, too, because, like, if I would, I would, I would say, like, if we didn't have the music, then no one would want to buy the merch, you know? I feel like both are... are yeah. Um, they they enjoy each other quite a bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can, I yeah. I anyways, I'm not sure if that even falls yeah. into the answer that you were looking for. Or love. <laughs> There's a lot we <laughs> would change. <laughs> yeah. In short. <laughs> I feel like Spotify is great for exposure, but at the same time, like I think we were mentioning earlier about how like no one really is kind of listening to an album in full or. Like, as you said, like, yeah. the album streams might not necessarily be, like, what's revenue-wise, but it's through the merch. And I think that kind of helps through these personal connections that kind of help promote bands. Because I know, like, word of mouth is this big thing. And I kind of feel mm-hmm. like more people need to start talking about your band and other bands and just getting out there. And that's how it should kind of spread. Yeah, no, it really is. I think I think that that's a great I think you put it in really good words like um, it isn't it isn't really about like trying to reach thousands of people because no one's gonna no one cares like it's about being at that show for those 10 mm-hmm. people that all walk out kind of like the coronavirus you just gotta, <laughs> gotta give it to 10 people so they give it to 20 you know like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> just kidding um, that never happened um, but I'm just kidding but you know it is a little bit like that we want, we want to like it, it should be spread by word of mouth. And I, I think that means more to me personally than looking cool on a picture and so people click on it. I think that's another way to do it, too. I don't think it's something that should be, like, turned away, but I much prefer the other way. Yeah, it's like, if we could all just create all the music we want, and sure, we would love to all share all of our art for free because it's about the art for us, not about the, the money, but because of the systematic, uh, you know, because of the, yeah, the systematic um, setup of how everything works, we kind of have to play that game. And 
yeah. and do well, our yeah, best it's like, to make it. Too, you know, like, huh? I, artists have to eat, too. Like, I have bills yeah. to pay, and, and the whole thing is, like, I was going to school and working and in the stand, and, like, because my work in it was like having two jobs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Paid by one of them. <laughs> the, the one job you don't get paid for is extremely fun. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> in different ways, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, not the my, my dad has told me time and time again, like, you can't, you can't play music because you want to make money from it. You, you should only do it if you love it, which is exactly why we do it. Yeah. But that stopped me from being frustrated every once in a while at, at how, like, like Brooke was saying, like how music is everywhere. People are constantly seeking out music, and yet it's valued so little when it comes to money. Everybody yeah. loves you when you're free. <laughs> That's why you should never be free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I agree. I, 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 even like as my own like personal music, like my own musical experiences, like. I, I used to do stuff for free and like now I don't I don't do stuff for free. I, I charge like I charge for what I do because because I could make money other places at other times. But I wanna make money playing music and it, I I just yeah. mean that I'm I don't I'm not cutthroat about it. I'm not gonna like you know, I'm not gonna say like if you can't pay me I like I'm not gonna do the gig. I'm all right. for bartering. I'm all for seeing that my value is in someone else's view of me you know like i'm yeah i want to be valued just as much as i value being at the project you know right exactly it's it's not being greedy it's that no it's not it's just being fair yeah we have a certain amount of hours allotted for each day and we also have a certain amount of money that we could be making with those hours and so it's kind of it's a it's a demonstration that you are choosing to spend your time and energy on something that takes a lot a lot more out of you than work sometimes can in certain ways it it exercises your creativity and your abilities to create something for somebody like you're choosing to do that and and if and and that is a value to the people and and it kind of just it demonstrates your value as a human and your basic need to still be able to eat and pay your bills even though you are choosing to do this thing so i don't think yeah. it's anything to be ashamed of no no it shouldn't you know um yeah and i think that's why i'm sorry we're going on this question for so long no it's fine <laughs> um, this got me thinking i guess like that's that's why every time i see i see like musicians i know that i think are better than me or like mm-hmm. extremely good and i respect them musically and they do stuff for free like and I mean, it doesn't anger me. Like, I understand. I understand there's, like, I I don't I don't necessarily believe in being paid for exposure, but I do see right. that that does add some things and that is helpful in some ways. But, like, I have good drummer friends that do sessions and stuff, and they charge less than me, or they do it for free because they're just like, well, I just want to do work. And I'm like, well, dude, don't, don't do that because the more you charge for free, the more you don't charge, the more people aren't going to believe in, tra- in paying for it. And yeah. if you value everyone... If we all just said 50 bucks and no one would do something for free, someone would get paid 50 bucks. So, like, I'd rather someone get paid 50 bucks than no one, you know? That's true. And, if you work for free, you are hurting everybody else in your field who does the same thing that's trying to make ends meet with their exactly. work. Exactly. Yeah. So, you, so you, you undercut everybody else. And so, in, in essence, 
if everybody charges a little bit, then that standard is set and everybody can expect to make something for their work. Boom. We figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Bam. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I think we should move on. From this. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. I think that you guys are talking about things that are honestly making me think more so about like, think that shining a light on these things is what's ultimately going to make a difference in the industry in the future. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's really important to talk about it because, like, um, I think I, I, God, I'm going to say one more thing. I'm sorry. This is my last thing to say. Okay. But um, I think music is special to anyone that does it for a living or tries to or decides to. And like, I, I feel I, I, I know that feeling of, like, being asked to do a gig and, and being nervous about asking to be paid and just being like, you know, I should be thankful that I'm getting a gig and I should be thankful that I'm, I have a chance to do this, and it's a chance, and it's a chance. But, like, um, I think that it's a very passionate thing for us, and it's really exciting and beautiful to be part of music. Um, and so I see why that almost is, like, enough sort of payoff to some people. Um, but I think it's just about getting over that next hurdle and, and valuing yourself for more than just you being able to do play an instrument, but valuing yourself for that you can play the instrument and you should be paid for being played for playing the instrument or whatever that job is, you know? Uh, speaking of instruments, can you guys tell me the story of how you picked your respective instrument? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, my dad taught me and my sister guitar when we were little, and she stuck with it, and I didn't really stick with it. Um, I didn't like that the strings were so small and they hurt my fingers um and then I saw School of Rock and I saw that girl bass player and I was like that's cool you can be you know it, it's a it's a stupid simple concept but it was still a, a revolutionary concept in my mind as a young kid like wow there you know you can be a girl and be a bass player oh that's cool and then look at that bass. The strings are nice and thick. And, like, I just really like how low it is. And that was great. So I told my dad, I said, Dad, I want to play bass. And he took me to Guitar Center. And we got a bass for my 10th birthday. Oh. That's my story. <laughs> Kevin? Oh, um, I started playing drums because I thought it was cool, and um, uh, I still think it's cool, uh, um, and uh, my brother plays guitar, so it just kind of made sense that I'd play drums, um, but I love, I mean, I love drums for many reasons now, obviously, um, but I do also think drums are kind of the thickest instrument because you, when you just sit behind it, like, there's sort of like a... I don't know. There's a part of everyone that already has rhythm, and that's just kind of a, a part of being a human. And um, so, like, when anyone sits down, they kind of fake play drums, but they actually do play drums, which is cool. So I think that's why I like it. It's just it's, everyone can do it. Anyone can do it. Like yeah. an instrument, but um, also it's just tight-ass instrument to play. Tight-ass instrument. Um, I started when I was a kid and my dad is a musician so I started like immediately writing songs like very early on and my dad 
uh, kind of helped me because he would record the songs with me. Like, I think my first songs are from when I was in, like, fifth grade. Um, toaster. Don't even start with me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, eventually, my dad tried to teach me guitar, but I, did, I wasn't interested, didn't want to do it. And then, in eighth grade, I was listening to some all-time low, some pop punk, and I want to be able to play this. Like, I want to be able to do this by myself. I don't want to have to rely on, like, somebody else to, you know, mm-hmm. play a song and get to sing it. And so I, and I started looking up guitar tabs, and I played the guitar ever since. Brooke, you mentioned School of Rock. Um, uh-huh. It was actually filmed at my college. Oh, no way. Yep. The... <laughs> The scene where Jack Black's character is in the van and he's going on that green lawn and you see the iconic entrance, that's our main hall. Oh, that's so cool. Whoa. That's so tight. That's awesome. Oh, can I tell you a fun fact about School of Rock? I'm ready. Um, so the School of Rock had um, a like uh, air guitar teacher or like an air instrument playing teacher. What? I met with them. And his name is Jim O'Rourke, and he's, like, one of my favorite musicians. He, like, he's worked with Wilco. He does his own solo stuff. He's done, he produces a lot of people. But So he was at the School of Rock teaching um, uh, everyone to, like, air guitar and, like, how to, like, take their instruments, which I thought was so cool. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, I never realized how important or, like, how impactful the movie was until I started doing these interviews, and people were like, yeah, that inspired me on how, why I picked the instrument I did, or, like, why. Really? Yeah. It's crazy to see. No one said Tenacious D? No. No one said Tenacious D in the movie Destiny inspired me. Tenacious D is great, but. It's a funny movie. That's so cool. Wait, I didn't know, I didn't know other people chose their instruments because of that movie too mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome it's kind of crazy I never, met any, I never met anybody else who said that but i hope that day comes <laughs> so my next question for you guys is what's your writing process like oh. Hunter, do you want to take the lead um yeah so we've been i think trying new uh, ways of going about it because Mm-hmm. In the beginning, when we first started, I just, I personally had, like, a plethora of songs kind of written, and then we would come into the studio, and I would play the song, and we just kind of learned it part by part, and would write around it, and arrange the song together, but recently, we've been trying some new stuff where we, like, try to write, like, write the song in the studio together, instead mm-hmm. of me, like, showing up with an idea, like, we, we do a little bit of everything, uh, mm-hmm. nowadays and folks been getting more involved in like the lyric writing process mm-hmm. and so yeah we're just trying to switch it up to see uh, what kind of stuff works what kind of stuff doesn't but yeah uh, it's kind of fun to write all together at the same time like mm-hmm. yeah one person yeah. has an idea or or I think what's fun is Evan will set a challenge like um you know, for we should write a song where we try and do this thing that we've never done before. And then we'll kind of write a song from the ground up all together. And I think it's kind of fun. It's sort of uh, contributing to our growth as a band and this new era of whatever Chase Petra is going to evolve into. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really fun because, like, the first, the first 
go around just with their like their our full length. Um, a lot of those songs, yeah, Hunter came in and brought them, and then like we would flush them out and arrange them, and like mm-hmm. then we'd go add the sprinkly things afterwards. We recorded it and stuff. So, um, but this time around, but I guess my personal goal for for our new writing process and and just in general and like any project, I think my my goal right now is to just be like I'm trying to write um, and hear songs like already recorded in my head before we record them, so that that process is already thought out and the production is already done before we record mm-hmm. so that when we do go record we can kind of have an idea of what it's going to come out as rather than like just laying everything down and then figuring out how to piece it together mm-hmm. um, which is a bit of a tricky thing um, but yeah no, it's been really fun to like uh, to write songs together all, all together because I, I love it I love uh, just Hey, we'll just do a chorus. We'll just do a chorus until the end of the song. That'll be it. That'll be at the end. And then, you know, it might it might sound shit. And that's kind of the cool part is like the more you guess around, the more careless it is, and then you stumble upon something great. And yeah, then you have it. Yeah. You know? And I love how we're playing with um, arrangements too. Like, okay, yeah. let's arrange this song in a way we've never done before. I feel like we're yeah exactly with each new song we're trying to do something we haven't done before. It's so fun. <laughs> it is a lot of fun, and we don't know if any of them sound good, so you have to look better <laughs> out. <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> we hope so. What's your favorite part of a song that you've written? It could be a lyric, a guitar riff, bassline, or a drum cadence. Um, I have one. Uh, in. In our song, what's it called? See you next Tuesday. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, in See You Next Tuesday, we have this like transition section into the what do you call it? It's not yeah, a like bridge. Outdoor, it's, a, it's not a it's not a bridge. It's like the outro mm-hmm. chorus thing. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Whatever like you want to call it. Anything or whatever with the odd bar. Yeah, so we so we took forever one day, like figuring out what the counts were gonna be for this weird <laughs> transition thing. We were like about ready to kill ourselves, <laughs> like just kill each other over this thing. But we figured it out, and uh, I don't know. It's just this weird little transition. It's like a, it's like a bar of seven into like. I guess I like know. It's, 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 um, it's weird. If we try to yeah. count it, that's, that's the problem. So we don't. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's a really fun part, and then I get to do a a fun little bouncy baseline that I enjoy. So, yeah, that's my favorite part. <laughs> um, I think my favorite thing that we've ever written. Um, it's probably, I think this, the song contractual is just my favorite. Oh, yeah. done. It's still, it's still my like go-to. I don't even like, it's the oldest song. It's like one of the oldest things we've ever done. But like, it still is like my favorite thing that we've ever done. Uh-huh. Um, and like, I think, I think just the way we, we orchestrated that song and how it came out as a final product was really exciting. Cause like, we wanted to, we, we keep it really like tight and it never opens up until the bridge. And so there's this like really great sense of like, release to me when we get to the bridge like especially when we play it live it's like oh we're nice tight and not gonna give up not gonna give it up and then you get to the bridge and like let it all out it's just this like really great like 
endorphin release for me. So that's my favorite part. I would mm-hmm. say, yeah, the Braves and Prefactual is my favorite thing. Um, I would say, I, overall, I, like, my favorite song is definitely in an emergency, such as The End of the World. Mm. Um, just because, I don't know, it consistently just feels like some of, I don't know, I guess some of, it's just a fun song. Like, I just like it a lot, but I gotta say, when it comes to, like, writing new things and trying new things, paranormal, yeah, um, it was the bridge in paranormal. That was that felt like a first step into the new kind of like, era. Into, yeah, into doing things that weren't quite the so new order. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the the bridge of the whole song, but also the bridge of paranormal, really felt like stepping into something different. So yeah, I say that's probably mm-hmm. my my favorite part right now. Yeah. I remember also, we kept talking about it being like a punk song. <laughs> we were like, this is a punk song. It's got to be fast and loose. Get in, get out. <laughs> did not end up that way. <laughs> <laughs> but we certainly um, fancied ourselves as a, <laughs> as yeah. a punk song for one second. <laughs> um, I think also some of the new stuff we're working on, I'm, I I think that could be like some of my new favorite stuff too. Because like, yeah. There's one new song we just finished like last week that like I'm uh I'm very very into. I cannot wait to to do that. Um so yeah. and ask me in a couple months and I'm sure that answer. Yeah. <laughs> can you describe your sound in three words? You can each do three words if you would like, or it can be a consecutive oh, three words. I got it. Um, mm. can I go first? Go. Um. Okay, so one of them is a two word, but it's one word. Okay. Um, quarter life, that's one word. Um, crisis rock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. There we go. Quarter life, crisis rock. I mean, I have to take pop out, but we're going to just keep rocking there. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll get the hard question. Right. Uh, Give me a second, Brooke. Oh God. Um, like a genre or adjective? Anything you want. Oh God. Um, Big ass knife. Honest, fun. Um, uh, um, that's only two words. It's honest, it's fun, and it's powerful. Damn, I like that. Thank you, thank you. It's from the heart. Aww. Nice. Very good. Yeah. I love seeing how bands describe like, describe themselves. Because, like, if I'm describing you to somebody, I might pick a different three words. But it's nice to see, like, how you guys would want people to perceive you or the message you guys want to put out. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. My next question for you is, what is the weirdest or funniest question you've ever been asked before in an interview? 
what kind of kitchen cutlery would you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
like interior and exterior decorating and just like curating my home um which has been really nice dude it's it's nice honestly because i've like I, i feel like i've just been extremely busy for the last seven years and and i've been on tour so much since i've lived here um so um my home has just kind of been a haphazard storage unit for a long time and so now especially since we have time home during this fucking quarantine um (laughs) i've been really like curating my home and it's really nice i have like art in my kitchen and like a big storage shelf thing for all of my instruments and like like candles and it's really nice my roommates and i this morning um are making a garden box uh where we're gonna plant our own vegetables and uh and herbs so i'm really excited about that and i've been i've been learning how to make things because i have all these ideas but i'm not great with like power tools and stuff by myself so it's nice that i live with people who do know how to build and make things so i've kind of slowly but surely been learning and making all of the things that i've always wanted to make so that's very fun can you describe the scene for me in california what's the music scene and the vibe like oh interesting um yeah (laughs) uh i feel like la is actually doing pretty good the music scene feels Fairly healthy, Long uh-huh. Beach, not uh-huh. quite what it once was. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it's. A, I would say it's a bit of um, like a younger crowd thing. Um, yeah, it, it's either like a younger crowd thing or or not not. We're. I don't want to sound like. I never know. This is like the first interview I've ever thought about how I actually sound. So I feel like I'm choosing my words wisely, but um, <laughs> I don't even know if that's true, but. <laughs> Um, I think uh, some, some of the, there, there are a couple of clicks around our city that we just don't fall into, and so we never see. And not that we don't understand that. I don't think we're, we're not, like, uh, salty about it or anything, but um, we just can't seem to, like, break into them, and so we play a lot in L.A., Pomona area, where we, we kind of thrive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that's, yeah, I guess how I feel about it. I feel like... I feel like we're not super tuned in with what's necessarily the most trendy and, and, um, yeah, I guess trendy is the right word. Um, but it, it seems to be like sort of a fusion of genres. Like things are, things seem to be getting a little more, um, What's the word? Sort of a fusion of like, I don't know, SoundCloud, well, hip hop. Yeah. I don't know what to See, call it. I was tracing it as like, there was this kind of like, because of Burger Records, there was this whole like kind of lo-fi surf punk thing going on. Yeah. Um, but now that's kind evolved. Of, no, well, yeah, it's kind of transitioned into more of a like, feels like regular old emo again. 
Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, there's like a, it's like a, there's a big, there's a big punk scene in Long Beach mm-hmm. and like the Compton area too. Um, and, but we're not, we're not necessarily like a punk band. We have like, we're, I guess we're just like aggressive rock in some way, but I don't think we're like, I don't think we're, we're not like quote unquote punk, you know, like, yeah. um, we have those tendencies, I guess. So we don't really fit within those crowds. And, um, there's like a, there's a, there's a big, um, Kind of like if everyone hangs out with each other as friends, and if you're friends with them, then you'll probably play their shows. Yeah, kind of how it goes. I would assume in like any big industry, all the nice big touring bands tour with their friends because they're friends. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So like we have we have a lot of great band friends, but we kind of you know we hang out with them, and then we have bands we want to be friends with, and we just kind of have to wait for those perfect moments where we get put on the bill with them, and we're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we have yeah. bands like Broken Baby is a band we were, we were pretty good friends with, and. Um, mm-hmm. I was just going to say, like, she asked just what the scene is in California. So I would say, like, generally, punk is a big thing. Lo-fi is a big thing. Um, And then just kind of blending those elements with different genres. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would say. Like, we have maybe one or two underage venues. Yeah. Yeah. Paper Kids is it's difficult to get out and be able to support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do have a lot of, like, 21 and up venues that, like, are pretty nice. Like, we, we have some pretty cool venues in Long Beach to play, but, but I guess there are sure, not many. I would say there's, like, four or five nice, nice different venues to play out here. But, like, yeah. in, our, in our, like, I don't know, it's just 20-mile vicinity around our, our town and stuff. But um, they're still great shows. They're always pretty good shows, um, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't go much further than that. Yeah. I have some Spitfire questions for you guys. Um, just whatever comes into your head first. You guys can take turns answering. Just let me know when you're ready, and I'll just jump right into them. Okay? Ready. Okay. Favorite state that you've been to? Favorite what? Favorite state. Oh, favorite state? Favorite state? Mm-hmm. I live here. California. Washington. Arizona. Favorite venue that you've played in? Uh, the satellite. Um, um, I forget what it's called, but it's in Glasgow. Oh, no, I can't, yeah, well, okay, whatever. The smell. Um, I think, what's it called? The Regent? The Regent. That's my favorite venue I've ever played. That was cool. Favorite book? Henderson. Um, the I Spy series. What? And the I Spy books. Those are my favorite. What? I don't care. They're good. I don't care. They got amazing <laughs> photography, and that's all that matters. Favorite movie? Me or Matt? Um. Johnny Darko. Pretty high up there. What'd you say, Brooke? Johnny Darko. Really? That's so fitting. I can tell that's your favorite movie. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a great movie. I love that movie. Thank you. We all answer? Uh huh. Okay. Favorite TV show? Atypical. 
Oh, we keep talking at the same time. What'd you say? Parks and Rec. Ooh. Wait, what'd you say, Brooke? Atypical. Oh, oh, wow, really? Yeah, it's really good. Did I, you watch it? I've never watched it. I haven't, I haven't watched it, I should. It's really good. Um, my favorite show is Frasier, for sure. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Okay. Um, favorite album in your personal collection? <gasps> like, that we have right, that you that. physically Wait. own. Oh, God. Physically owned. Uh, a fever you can't sweat out by Panic at the Disco. Oh, man. God um, damn, that's a really hard one, man. I can't pick that. Yeah. I can't do that. I would say probably Jenny Lee from Warpaint. She put out a solo record like two years ago, and it's one of the most inspirational things to me, and I have it on vinyl, and I love it. Um, I can't answer this truthfully, so I'm going to say Celtic Women that was given me to my birthday for my birthday. Oh. And now my last question for you, which is not a spitfire. You don't have to, not the first thing that comes into your head. It's probably going to require a, li- like, a little bit of an explanation. What are your goals for the new decade of 2020? What did you say? Our goal? For 2020. As, as like, individuals or as a band? Both. Both. Oh, oh, um, damn. My goal, my personal goal for 2020 is I would like to become a substitute teacher and uh, be able to do something that's fun and make more money, but also that gives me the freedom to uh, be in this band because my goal for the band in 2020 would be, <laughs> uh, yeah, my goal for the band would be a tour and uh, getting some releases out so people can hear new stuff that we've been writing. Mm-hmm. I would agree with the band goals. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that band goal too. But my personal goal, I want to get my masters, and in twenty twenty. In twenty twenty. In the decade of twenty twenty, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. So oh, the so whole it's... decade. Oh. Wait, the year twenty twenty or the decade? <laughs> the decade of twenty twenty. You don't have to count yourself oh, in the year. <laughs> Uh, yes, I want to get my master's, and I want to live on my own, and I want to be—I want to get really, really good at recording drums and uh, and do session work for people and play in the band. I gotta say, um, my personal goals are to um, find career stability, um, and also financial stability, and to um, become a self-sufficient like woodworker and just maker of things and also to become good at all the instruments that I'm not so good at and to be and to and to um and to be a good friend to my friends oh okay well I greatly appreciate you guys speaking with me I had a great time this was a lot of fun and thank I... you for listening to us. Great. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Take... Well, thank you so much. Good luck with the quarantine. Yeah, yeah you guys yeah. do. All right. All right. Have a great Bye. day, guys. All right. Bye. 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 Bye